we are going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is in the Bible. Some of you know that. Some of you learned that just now. Um, it is a book in the Bible. It is in the Old Testament. It's amongst the genres of, uh, of literature within the Bible called wisdom literature. So the Bible is not one book. It's 66 books. And it's broken up into categories, and some of this is God wanting to teach us wisdom, and one of which is the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes was written, it's an autobiography, actually, of a man who had it all and did it all because he wanted to answer the big question of life. What am I going to gain? How can I make the most out of this little time that I have here on earth? What can I do that will be fulfilling to me here on earth? And so Ecclesiastes is really his exploration of that. And last week, in the beginning, we saw that the author of Ecclesiastes is a man who goes by the preacher. That's his title that he gives himself, the preacher. He was a king in Israel, and he is the preacher. And what he said in the beginning, he said, everything is vanity. He said, everything is uh, a mist, a vapor. Um, the word, the Hebrew word for vanity is the word hevel. It means vapor. It means mist. It means vanity. And the idea is this, is that life is elusive, and we try to build our lives on the things of this earth, and it's like building a foundation on vapor. There's, your life can be turned upside down with a phone call, or with a conversation, or one bad decision, or missing that red light, right? Everything can happen in an instant, and everything that you had built your life on and the foundation of your life that you thought was so sure suddenly is shaken to its very core, and that's what Ecclesiastes is getting at today. And so it says that he had tried it all and done it all. Well, what does he mean by all? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can go there. Um, if you need a Bible, there's a Bible in the rows in front of you, and it'll be on page 518 and 519. If you don't have a Bible and you would like a Bible, that's yours. Please keep it. It's our gift to you today. So I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and then we're going to kind of walk through it this morning. The preacher says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this was also vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what is good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself food, I made myself pools from which the water to water the forests of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves, and I had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any other had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself and silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both male and female, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great, and I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not keep my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil." Then I considered that all my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity. 
a striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what, for what can the man who do, um, do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, and, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity. For the wise as for the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was so grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the hand to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will do, be a wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toils of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who, hate, who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. What has man from the, all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give it to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. The central theme for today's message is this. You will gain nothing by trying to gain everything. You will gain nothing by trying to gain everything. The preacher, the author of the book, calls this a striving after the wind. Have you ever tried to catch the wind? Maybe when you were younger, you ever think, I'm going to catch the wind. I'm going to run it down. I'm going to grab it, and I'm going to put it in my pocket. I'm going to save the wind for myself. You ever tried to chase down the wind? How do you know when you caught it, right? It's a frustrating exercise. How, how long do I continue to chase after the wind? When do I get this? When, when can I know that I've arrived, that I've captured the wind? Every time the preacher thinks he's getting close, it escapes him. Every time he thinks he's going to get gain. Gain. The accumulation of things so that we can no longer feel the ache the emptiness, the suffering, and the heartaches of the world? When are we going to be able to gain fulfillment? When is the thing in our hearts going to be satisfied? That's what the preacher is talking about here. There's a story that says there was a, a wealthy businessman, and he had, he had accumulated great wealth and was ahead of his industry and did all these things, and he was being interviewed by a reporter, and they were talking about his net worth and how much he was valued at. And the, and the reporter finally asked the businessman, so how much 
is enough. How much is enough? And the businessman replied back to the reporter, always a little bit more. Always a little bit more. We always think that we're going to be more satisfied when we have just a little bit more. You're in a spot right now that maybe 10 years ago you were thinking about, right? You're like, in 10 years I'll be in college, or in 10 years I'll have a career, or I'll have a house, or a spouse, or I'll be retired. And and once I get that thing, once I get that thing, I know that I'm going to be content. I know that I'm going to be fulfilled. I know that once I gain this thing, that I'm going to be satisfied. And yet here we sit today, and how satisfied are we with the things that we were wishing for 10 years ago? I mean, Christmas was like three weeks ago, right? Like, are, do you still enjoy your presents? Like, like three weeks later, like how, how are we doing? Did it fulfill us? Did it remove the ache? Did it answer all our problems like the infomercial said it would? I know the ninja, you know, Instapot was going to solve all your world's problems, right? Or the new wave oven. I've always wanted to try those things. And yet we think that somehow the accumulation of stuff or things or getting to this place that somehow we are going to be content and we're going to be happy. And the preacher is a man who had it all and he tried it all and it left him wanting. And so let's learn from him instead of spending our lives trying to accumulate money to get stuff to think that it's going to fulfill us only to find it empty. Let's learn from the preacher, the one who gone, who's gone before us. The first thing that he attempts was pleasure and possessions. Verses 1 and 2, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this was also vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? He says to himself, self, we're going to go on a shopping spree, and we're going to buy all the things, all of them, all the things. And he gives us a list of all the things that he purchased. First on the list, wine. He's like, booze is the first thing I'm going for, right? I'm going for wine. I'm going to have a wine collection. I'm going to have, I'm going to have the most expensive bottles. I'm going to have everything. I'm going to have it curated. I'm going to have all this stuff. I'm going to have this beautiful wine that I can sip, and I know that once I sip it, I'm going to be fulfilled. It says, then he goes on to, he says, and then I built great works. And then he lists what those are. Houses. Plural. He built multiple houses probably in different styles and different places. He had houses. Then he planted vineyards. And then he had gardens. And then he planted parks. How rich do you have to be to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a park. Like, who does that? Crazy people. Like, who, who does, like, not only just one park, but many parks. And then, in ancient Israel, he built pools to feed the water for his parks. He had masterful engineering to be able to irrigate all his parks to make sure his trees grew up lush and, and precious. He built pools in his parks, next to his gardens, by his vineyards. As he overlooked it from one of his houses, he had it all. It said that he had slaves. Now, in ancient Israel, a lot of times a a slave was more like a servant and sometimes even treated like family. They came and lived in your house. And he had male and female slaves, and then some of them had babies in his house. He raised up a generation of people within his house. 
He had livestock. He had herds and flocks more than anybody in Jerusalem. He had silver and gold. And this one's my favorite. He had singers, male and female. Singers. He hired people just to follow him around and go, you know what? I'm in the mood for a song. He had his own Spotify, but they were people, and they were right there with him the entire time. You know? It's like, I just want some Captain and Tennille. Go ahead, sing it, right? Like, some of you get that. Some of you get that, right? I just want a song, so sing me a song. And they had to because they were getting paid by them. That was their job. What do you do? I follow around the king and I sing whatever song he wants. That's how rich this guy is. And then he had concubines. These are women for his pleasure. He became the greatest in all of Jerusalem. And in verse 10 and 11, it says, It made him happy for a moment. It made him happy for a moment. And then he realized he didn't gain what he was looking for, the longing of his soul. It was elusive. And so pleasure and possessions didn't work. And they won't work for you either. They won't give you any gain. The next thing he attempts is wisdom and folly. Wisdom and folly. Verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. He says, if I can't accumulate stuff, if all the stuff that I've gathered and all the things and the great works that I've done, if I, if I can't, if that's not going to make me happy, if I can't fill my life with stuff to make me happy, then I'm going to fill up my brain with stuff to make me happy. I'm going to study philosophy and theology and all the other ologies. He's going to study them all. He's going to gain wisdom and knowledge. He's going to fill up his brain and thinking, if I accumulate more knowledge, then, then maybe I will be fulfilled. And then he says, because what comes after the king? He's already the king. Like, where up the ladder do you go after king? There's no place to go. And he goes, so what am I going to do? What everybody else does. And so I gained wisdom and knowledge. And in gaining wisdom, the preacher realizes something. Verses 15 and 16, he says, Then I said in my heart, What happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For those of the wise of the fool, there's no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool. The reality is this. All of us are going to die someday. I had a professor in college who used to say, despite all the medical advances in the world, the death rate remains an alarming 100%. We're all going to die. That's the end. That's going to happen to us. So how are we going to live today knowing that tomorrow is not guaranteed? Some of us are closer to our day than others, and age has nothing to do with it. Sometimes people who are older have 20 more years to go, and sometimes people who are young have but days to live. We don't know when that will happen for all of us, but it will happen unless the Lord comes back this is what is going to happen to all of us. You're going to die. And the wise person and the fool have the same ending. 
doesn't seem like there's much gain to be had when it comes to filling our brains up with knowledge. And then, so pleasure didn't work, possessions didn't work, knowledge didn't work. So then he goes on and does the thing that I think every American does, and that is, well, I'll just throw myself into my work then. I'm just going to work harder. I'm just going to work more hours. I'm just going to work longer hours. I'm going to do this kind of stuff. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to work, 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 work. And maybe, just maybe I'll get some gain, but maybe I'll just forget about my life. And so he goes into toil and work. And in verses 18 and 19, he says, I hated all my work. Somebody says, amen. (laughs) By the way, there's a lie going around that says if you uh, enjoy your job, you'll never work a day in your life. That's not true. The best jobs have frustrations. It'll feel like work. My job feels like work sometimes, just so you know. Sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes it does. And sometimes life is just hard and it's work and you just got to press through. Because it's not going to gain you anything. He says, I hated my work which under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Here's the crazy thing that plagues so many of us. We work hard, and we work hard, and we build something, and we build something that we like, and we've created it, we've crafted it, we've poured our life, we've poured time, talent, treasure, blood, sweat, and tears into our work, and then there will become a time when you might have to hand off that work, or you might get older, and you might need someone else to do the work, and you're terrified that if you hand off the work, you're going to hand it off to somebody who's not going to do it right. And you're like, I'll just, I'll just do it, I'll just do it, I'll just do it, right? I'll just do it, I'll just do it. And all the while, the work continues to grow and it continues to multiply, and you're like, oh, I really need to hand this off, I really need to take a vacation, I really need to breathe. And yet you're terrified of giving up control. Because what if you hand it to somebody who's a fool? And what if you hand it to somebody who's not going to do what you want to do with it? What if they run the business into the ground? What if they lose the farm? What if they take it into a different direction, a direction that I don't want it to go? And so what happens is, like many of us, they just continue to work and they continue to refuse to give up control and it suffocates them. And they end up resenting the very work that they set out to do. And they hate what their life has become. The preacher knows this all too well. You want to gain something, but instead you find yourself chasing the wind. It's a really happy book, isn't it? Like, why are we here? Because it's here to teach us. And you might be thinking, man, there's no hope. There's no hope for gain. There is no hope for gain. If there's any hope, is there anything that can fulfill the longing of our souls? Is there anything that can fulfill the longing of our souls? And the answer is yes. You're just not going to find it trying to gain your life in the middle of your possessions and your stuff and your money and your, um, and, and your work, right? You're not going to find it there because, and here's a radical idea, and this is what Ecclesiastes wants to show us is that there is something that will fulfill us. Verse 24. There's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. What? We just talked about this. 
What do you mean there's enjoyment here that we should, there's nothing better for us that we should eat and drink and find enjoyment in our toil? This is from the hand of God. David Gibson, in his book, Living Life Backwards, writes that the preacher is saying something here that we need to think differently about life and we need to think different about the things that we think are going to give us gain. Because here's the crazy thing what if life wasn't about gain? Have we ever stopped to ask that question? What if life wasn't about gain? What if, what if we didn't gain anything? What if there was something different? What if we should be working and focusing on something different other than gain? And you're like, well, what? <laughs> if there's not gain, then what is there? A gift. What if life wasn't about a gain, but was about a gift? That God gives us these things and these things of our life, our work, our pleasure, our eating, our drinking, our life. What if he gave it to us as a gift to be enjoyed and not a means to an end? You ever had those moments when you were just grateful to God for the moment you were in? You ever worked hard? And the hard work was its own reward. You ever got done with a, with a project and you're like, that is good. Oh, it's satisfying. It's a gift. You ever used your wisdom to benefit other people? You ever been to a concert on a summer night? Isn't that amazing? Like blue stem as the sun goes down? It's incredible. It's a gift. You ever laughed so hard you cried? You ever had a great meal with friends? With a conversation that goes long into the night? What if, and here's something crazy, what if you lived your life like you had nothing to prove? Wouldn't that be a freeing thing if you just had nothing to prove to anybody? Like you were just satisfied in God and the gifts that he gave you and you weren't trying to show off or keep up or do these things so that you could somehow prove to somebody that you were worth anything? What if you had nothing to prove? How would you live? If you ever want to see a sobering commentary on our culture, watch food competitions on TV. Okay? Master Chef, Chopped, whatever. Because here's what's going to happen. Invariably, usually one, probably more, contestants say something like this. I'm here to win this prize so I can prove it to my dead relative. I'm going to show my dad that I amounted to something. I show, I'm going to show my mom that I can really do this. They're trying to prove, and they're killing themselves, trying to prove something to someone. And here's the thing. Even if they won the prize, it still haunts them because they don't think they've meant, they haven't got there yet. They haven't proved to anybody. They're chasing the wind. And maybe today you're chasing the wind. And the advice of the preacher is to stop. Stop chasing the wind. Stop trying to get gain. Enjoy the things of life. Enjoy where you're at in this moment and be grateful. Is everything perfect? Nope. And nothing will be until you reach heaven. But today you can be grateful and you can say thank you 
to the one who gives the good gifts, which is God himself. And God gave an incredible gift. But you will gain nothing by trying to gain everything. But what you're going to find is the fulfillment of your life happens when you're thankful to the Lord and you rest in him. God gave his ultimate gift, Jesus, to us. We didn't earn Jesus. We needed Jesus. He gave us this gift. Jesus, the Son of God, came, lived the life perfectly, the life you and I were supposed to live, but couldn't. He died on a cross. He died the death that you and I were supposed to deserve, and, but we won't. And then he rose from the dead to give eternal life to all who would believe in him. There is no gain in the middle of all of that, but what there is is a tremendous gift to be received. So I pray you would today. And like I said, today is Baptism Sunday. We're going to hear the stories of people going public with their faith that love the Lord. And so guys, like in this moment, let us enjoy this moment as we see God at work in people's lives. And just to say thank you as we witness these things together. Let's pray.